Chapter One of Among the Great Masters of the Drama. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nemo. Among the Great Masters of the Drama by Walter Rowlands. Shakespeare. Shakespeare on whose forehead climb the crowns o' the world o oh, eyes sublime with tears and laughter for all time elizabeth barrett browning to shakespeare the intellect of the world speaking in diverse accents applies with one accord his own words how noble in reason how infinite in faculty and apprehension how like a god sydney lee oblivion which hides from us so much we would fain know of shakespeare has covered up nearly all record of him as an actor when he arrived in london after the journey from stratford which he probably made on foot the future great dramatist was a young man perhaps just of age with small means and but one friend, so far as known to us in the city. This was Richard Field, a native of Stratford, who had become a printer in London, and some years afterward, in 1593, published Shakespeare's Venus and Adonis. We are not informed what assistance, if any, the poet received from his fellow townsmen. Although a theory which has gained but few converts, has been broached that he worked at the printer's trade in London for some time before becoming an actor. It is not unlikely that, during his first years in the metropolis, he earned his bread by very mean employments. Even, as an old tradition says, by holding horses at the door of the theatre. Another tradition asserts that his earliest employment inside the walls of the playhouse was his callboy from which position he ascended to the playing of some small parts. Rolf says, William Shakespeare, when once in the theater, was where his talents could not fail to be speedily recognized, and where his progress in the work for which he was born and fitted was assured. At which of the only two theaters, the theater or the curtain, then existing in London, Shakespeare thus found occupation we do not know. It is inferred by Sidney Lee that, of the several companies of licensed actors in London at that time, he originally joined the most influential one, which had been under the nominal patronage of the Earl of Leicester, and was afterward the Lord Chamberlain's company. Documentary evidence proves that he was a member of it in December 1594. In May 1603, he was one of its leaders. Four of its chief members, Richard Burbage, the greatest tragic actor of the day, John Hemming, Henry Condell, and Augustine Phillips, were among Shakespeare's lifelong friends. Under this company's auspices, moreover, Shakespeare's plays first saw the light. When Shakespeare became a member of the company, it was doubtless performing at the theater. The playhouse in Shoreditch, which James Burbage, 
the father of the great actor, Richard Burbage, had constructed in 1576. It abutted on the Finsbury Fields and stood outside the city's boundaries. The only other London playhouse then in existence, the Curtain, in Moorfields, was near at hand. The other theatres identified with Shakespeare's career are the Rose, opened on the Bankside, Southwark, in 1592, doubtless the earliest scene of Shakespeare's pronounced successes alike as actor and dramatist. Another new playhouse at Newington Butts and the famous Globe in Southwark, built by Richard Burbage in 1599. From that time, the last-named theatre was largely occupied by Shakespeare's company, and an important share of its profits fell to him. From its opening until his retirement, the Globe appears to have been the only playhouse with which the poet was professionally associated, the Blackfriars Theatre not being occupied by his company until nearly the last of his acting days. There seems to be no doubt that Shakespeare accompanied the troupe with which he was connected on their provincial tours. His annual income as an actor is thought to have been not less than a hundred pound, probably more, but his work as a dramatist was far less remunerative, yielding perhaps twenty pound a year up to 1599. As to the parts he played, our information is but meagre, though his performances are praised. At Christmas, 1594, he joined the chief comedian of the day, William Kemp, and Richard Burbage, in acting at Greenwich Palace before Queen Elizabeth. But we know not in what plays or parts. Shakespeare's name stands first on the list of those who took part in the original performances of Ben Jonson's Every Man in His Humor, 1598. But the record is silent as to the character allotted him. The ghost in Hamlet is said to have been his finest assumption, and there is a tradition that he played the part of Adam in As You Like It, this being based upon the statement of one of his younger brothers, presumably Gilbert, who had often seen him act in London. Mr. Boughton's charming picture of the young poet reading a sonnet to Anne Hathaway amid the May blossoms tinting Avant's banks. When daisies pied and violets blue, and lady smocks all silver white, and cuckoo buds of yellow hue do paint the meadows with delight, is copied herein by the kind permission of its owner, Mr. E. P. Bacon of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Though he was born in England, near Norwich, in 1834, America has some right to claim Mr. Boughton hers by virtue of his breeding, as his parents brought him to this country when he was but an infant, and here he stayed until 1859, with the exception of a few months spent in England when he was about 20. In the year just named, the young artist went to Paris and studied art for a year or two, finally removing to London where he has since lived. His brush has placed before us many delightful works, episodes in Puritan life in New England. Who does not know his Return of the Mayflower? Or among the Dutch settlers of Manhattan? Witness the Counselors of Peter the Headstrong, with numerous transcripts of peasant life in Brittany or Holland or Old England. The New York Public Library owns his 
Pilgrims Going to Church, and the Corcoran Gallery at Washington, his Edict of William the Testy. He was elected a member of the National Academy of Design in 1871, and has been a royal academician since 1896. His Weeding the Pavement is in the Tate Gallery, London. End of chapter 1